commit to be here. Come on, somebody say, I commit to be here. You can't lie in church. So for the next four weeks, we want you to be here. And what this series is based off of, I want to give you just a little background before we jump into part one today. About three weeks or so ago, my wife and I, we were talking about a book that we wanted to read, and it was called I Declare War. And so the name of our series is I Declare War, and it's a book by Levi Lusco. And so uh, I ended up purchasing the book, and I finished it in about two weeks because it was really, really good. And it started changing me on the inside as I was reading through some of this material. And I thought to myself, this is something that we need. This is something that we need to hear. This is something that we need to apply. This is something that, uh, that we need as believers. And maybe even if you're here and you're not a believer, you're not following Jesus, and you're just curious about this whole thing, then I believe there's something that you can get out of this as well because it is so practical, but it is so important. Somebody say important. It is very, very important. And so we're going to be, for the next four weeks, we're going to be in a series called I Declare War. And uh, the reason we're going to do this series is because I believe there are many of us that are held hostage to a version of ourselves that we do not want to be. We are being held hostage to a version of ourselves that we don't want to be. And so there are many of us that we're praying and we're trying to get out of this situation. We're trying to, to become a better version of who we are, but we're being held captive by a version of ourselves that we don't want. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to talk that way. I don't want to think that way. I don't want to, to go through life that way, but I'm being held captive in this place, and I need some help trying to figure out how to get out. Well, the, the good news is that there is a way for you to, to enter into a different path, if you will, uh, but but on the flip side of that, it's going to be a little bit of a process. And what I want to try to do is take myself and you through this process over the next four weeks of how we can uh, we can break free from being being held captive by that version of ourselves that we really don't want, we really don't like. And so throughout the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about different attributes of a wolf and how we can we can apply those attributes to our lives. And it can make an impact and make a difference in our lives. And so if you want your inner wolf to rise up, I believe there are some things that you're going to have to do. And that's what we're going to talk about over these four weeks is kind of breaking down one thing at a time. And so today I want to talk to you on this subject. Maybe you want to write this down or you can uh, take notes in the Bible app. All of the notes are on there if you want to do it that way. But write this down. The title of the message today is Think Like a Wolf. Think Like a Wolf. A wolf. Come on, somebody say think. We're going to talk about your thinking today. And as we get started, I felt like we needed to start with a question because some of us in the room might be asking this question, well, why do I need to declare war? It seems kind of, you know, aggressive and hostile and, you know, what is the, like, where are we going with this? Why do I need to declare war? And here's the easy answer and the reason why I want to do this series. Uh, it's because you're in one whether you believe it or not. You're in a war, you're in a battle, whether you believe it or not. So whether or not you think you are doesn't even really matter, because you are. You're in a battle, you're in a war, and so it's time that we declare war on the things that are holding us back. The things that are keeping us in the place that we really don't even want to be, but we stay there. It's time to declare war on those things. And so that's what we're going to do in this series, and the Bible really enlightens us to three sources of conflict in our lives. And so we all have this conflict going on. Uh, we've already established that we're all in a war, whether we believe it or not, whether we think we are or not. 
And there are three sources of conflict in our lives, and I want to briefly mention them as we go into the message today. Here's the first one, conflict in your life. Uh, Sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it's the devil. Now, I think sometimes we give the devil too much credit. You know, the devil made me do it. The devil gave me a flat tire. The devil, you know, I don't know if the devil's that good. But uh, the devil is a source of conflict in our lives, right? When you became a Jesus follower, when you decided that you wanted to give your life to Jesus, you became a threat. And the enemy does not like you. In fact, he hates you. And he's going to try to do anything in his power to stop you, discourage you, get you stuck, get you, you know, paralyzed in this place, to hold you hostage of a ver- in a version of yourself that you really don't even want to be, but you don't know how to get out of it. That's what the enemy does. And I don't know how many of you, does anybody like basketball? Anybody ever seen a picture of a basketball? Maybe we get everybody in that in that category. Have you ever heard of LeBron James? We'll say that. Even if you've never watched basketball, you've probably heard of LeBron James. Uh, a lot of people say he's the, the best basketball player in the NBA. LeBron James is guarded aggressively because he's a threat. <laughs> people don't just pick and choose like, well, I think that you, you know, let's just guard you aggressively. No, he's the best player on the court. If there are 10 players on the court, he's the best player on the court. And so he draws all the double teams. People try to stop him, and they think, if I can stop that person, then we can win the game. Because nobody else on the team is really good enough and strong enough to carry the team, but that guy is. And so if we can get to him and we can guard him aggressively, and the reason because the reason that he's guarded aggressively is because he's a threat. Can I tell you, the reason that the devil brings conflict into your life is because you're a threat. It's because you're a threat. And so sometimes the devil is a source of conflict. Here's the second thing uh, that can be a source of conflict, the world. And I, I don't mean this as like the planet, the world, uh, but a lot of times in church, if you've been in church, grew, grew up in church, or this Christian lingo that we use a lot of times, we say the world, you know, don't be like the world, and and things like that. I, I'm basically talking about like the world view. So, so it's it's a different way of of thinking. And so, uh, maybe some of you, when you gave your life to Jesus, you have all all of, all of us have a past. We've come from somewhere. Uh, maybe you have some past friends, you know. And as you gave your life to Jesus, you started growing in your relationship with Jesus. Then all of a sudden, you know, you started making some changes, and you started feeling like, man, I need to start doing this and stop doing that, and this really isn't good for me, but this would be really good for me, and and those people, they don't, they don't, you know, lift me up anymore. They're bringing me down, and it's making it hard to live for Jesus. And so maybe I need to to find some new friends. And you know, we go through this process uh, that that God takes us on really for the rest of our entire lives as we're as we're following Him. But we go through this process, and a lot of times there are some of those things that try to drag you back, right? There's some of those temptations and those habits that you had, those addictions that you had, and all those things. And they try to bring you back, you know, and try to make you think, well, this was better, and isn't following Jesus so hard because you can't do this, and don't you want to come back to this because this was easier? And, and, and there are a lot of things that, that, that cause that, and so the world is a source of conflict within us. But then here, so we got the devil and we got the world, but then here's the third thing that is a source of conflict within us. It's ourselves. How many of you know that you can be your own worst enemy? <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's not the devil that did it. Sometimes it was you. Sometimes it wasn't the devil that caused it to happen. Sometimes it was a stupid decision that you made. Right? I love you. If this is your first time here, um, then, <laughs> then we love you and hope you'll come back for the remainder of this series because I really think it's going to benefit you. But sometimes you just made a dumb decision that put you in the position that you're in or that you were in and now you may be out of it or or maybe you're even in the process right now of making some dumb decisions that you need to to change the way that you think. And so that's what I want to talk about today because I think this is the hardest one. 
I think this is the hardest one. We, we deal with this inner struggle within ourselves, right? Anybody ever talk to yourself? Not even out loud, but you talk to yourself, you think thoughts, and, and, and you're talking to yourself about how pretty you are or how ugly you are or how you, know, how you hate your job and all these different things. We're our own worst enemy a lot of times, and so I want to talk, I, I talk about this battle uh, really for the next four weeks that's going on within ourselves. Not even really a lot of it that's, that's outside inflicted. It's a lot of it that we inflict on ourselves. And I was uh, reading through, as I was reading through the book, there was this example, uh, there was a story of this famous painting and I can't remember the name of it now, but there's this famous painting, and it was in this British art gallery, and there was an auction, and, and they were auctioning off this painting. And by the time all was said and done, this painting sold for $1.4 million. Now, I don't know if you can imagine paying $1.4 million for something that might hang on your wall. Uh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but it was this really famous painting that so many people wanted. And somebody, and so when, when they were, you know, going once, going twice, sold to this person for $1.4 million. And I don't know if that person was like, what did I do? You know, I don't know. $1.4 million. And as soon as that happened, as soon as it was sold to that person for $1.4 million, there was something interesting that happened. And I have this on the video, if you can play that video really quick. So as soon as somebody buys this for $1.4 million, the painting starts to slip through the, the frame, and it, and, it, and it shreds almost at the bottom, and, and it messes up this painting that just sold for $1.4 million. And that person, you know, you can imagine that person might be in the, in the audience, and they're like, can I get my money back? You know, like, <laughs> does this still stand? You know, what is, what is the deal? And if you notice at the end of the video, there were some security guards, and they came, and I don't know what they were planning to do, but they come and they, you know, take the painting off the wall, and they're about to haul it off. You know, it's like, well, we don't want people to look at this, or maybe they didn't see. You know, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what, what they were doing, but they come and they take the, the painting off the wall. And what I found was interesting is a lot of times, like in events like that, the security guards were there, and they were protecting the painting, right? And they're protecting the painting from the people. So if you were there, they are in place to protect the painting from the people. We don't want anybody to do anything stupid. We don't want anybody to throw anything on it. We don't want anybody to mess this up. Don't want anybody to knock it off the wall. You know, whatever the case might be, the security team is there to protect the painting from the people, but what they didn't realize was that the painting actually needed protection from itself. <laughs> that nobody did anything to the painting. The painting sabotaged itself. And so many times we have guardrails in our lives and we've set up things to protect ourselves from other people. We're setting up things in our lives to try to protect ourselves from the enemy. Try to protect ourselves from, from our old habits. Try to protect ourselves from, from the world and from those ways of thinking. But a lot of times we don't put things in place to protect ourselves from ourselves. And we are our own worst enemy a lot of times. Y'all don't want to talk back to me today. That's all right. I'm going to preach it anyway. A lot of times we're our own worst enemy, and we don't, we, it was funny because they didn't realize, hey, the painting doesn't need protection from the people. The painting needed protection from itself. It destroyed itself. And I think so many times we're in the same category. Even Paul, who wrote, you know, half of the New Testament as a Jesus follower, he said that, he, he says he didn't do the stuff he wanted to do, and he did the stuff that he didn't want to do. I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I want to do. Like, I'm my own worst enemy. I'm my own worst enemy. And there are many things that could, 
that we could talk about today regarding the conflict that's going on inside of us, inside of you personally. You know, the battle, the war that you're in, that whether you want to admit it or not, there's stuff going on. You know, one of the things we could talk about was moodiness. Come on, somebody. Moodiness. I remember a song when I was, uh, I think I had just graduated or I was, you know, about to graduate high school and there was a song that came out and it was a band called Reliant K. I don't know if anybody ever remembers that band. But they, they were around and they had a song called Mood Ring. And the whole theme of the song was, you know, I'm going to get you a mood ring so that whenever I, <laughs> whenever I approach you, I'll know what mood you're in. You know, got to have a conversation. Oh, it's blue. Mm-mm, not today. Not today's not the day. <laughs> you know, difficult conversation. Oh, it's black. Woo! Leaving the house today. <laughs> Don't want to deal with that. And so, so for some of us, the inner struggle is moodiness. You know, we're up one day. We're down one day. We're mad at these people one day. And we're not, we're, you know, and then we're fine the next day, you know, so we're dealing with that. Maybe it's what we've already talked about before, that we're just being held. There's a version of ourselves that we don't want to be, and we find ourselves in that place, and we can't seem to get out. Or maybe maybe the thing that's going on inside of you is anxiety. Maybe it's suicidal thoughts. Maybe it's numbing. We all have our own. Uh, maybe you've never thought about, you know, one of the things that I use to cope with, with this inner war is numbing. Numbing can look like uh, binge-watching Netflix for 13 hours because you don't want to think about the thing that you need to think about or the thing that you need to deal with in your life. It could be, it could be, you know, I, I'm just going to avoid that. Numbing could look like social media. It could look like Instagram and Facebook. And whenever you start to have those thoughts again or whenever you, you know, you start to, to, to think, well, I really don't want to do that and, and I don't like the version of myself I am. I'm just going to check out and I'm going to get on face, Facebook or Instagram and, and just look at what everybody else is doing in their life so that I don't have to think about what's going on in mine. Uh, there are a lot of different things that would be considered numbing. It could be, you know, drinking too much. You know, because you don't want to, you don't want to deal with how you're feeling. You don't want to deal with what's going on in your life. It could be that you, you know, you turn to drugs because you just want to numb. There are a lot of different things that we do that fall into this category of numbing, because we don't want to feel the pain. We don't want to feel how we've been feeling. We don't want to deal with what we need to deal with, and so we decide to numb. So maybe that's something that that many of us are dealing with today in this inner battle. Maybe it's unforgiveness. I don't know what it is for you, but I think there's something. And uh, that we're that we're trying to to cover things up with, because there's an inner battle going on within us. We could say it this way. Maybe you want to write this down: that we're really good at doing things that aren't good. We're really good at doing things that aren't good, aren't we? If you look at your own life, you would you would probably say, "Hey, I'm really good at doing things that aren't good. Good things that aren't good for me. Things that aren't good for people around me. Things that aren't good just morally. We're really good at doing things." That aren't good. And uh, another example was there was a survey taken of people that had surgery or had some procedure done, you know, and, and after you have the surgery done, a lot of times there'll be a prescribed medicine, you know, it's going to help you heal or it's going to be what you need for this, this next, you know, few weeks that, that you're, uh, you're in recovery, you know, and all of this stuff. And there was uh, 100 people were surveyed and, and statistically 33 of those people, so one third of those people, uh, after they had this important procedure, I mean, it could be something that's life-changing, you know, something that they need this to, to save their life because they just had an organ transplant or something. And 33 out of 100, 33% of those people will never fill the prescription or never go pick it up. So you just had this, this, this major operation, and one-third of the people that do this will never go fill the medicine or they'll never go pick up the medicine. Another one-third might go get it or they might have it filled, but they won't take it properly. They won't read the directions. They won't follow what's on the bottle or what's in the the package that you got, right? So two-thirds of the people 
who need this medication after having a major operation or major surgery, they don't either feel it, don't get it, or they get it, but they don't take it properly, and so it doesn't have the same effect as what it's supposed to have in their body. Now, I found it interesting because there is one type of medicine that, that people are really, really good about filling and making sure it's done properly and it's taken care of, and it's, it's prescriptions that come from a V-E-T. <laughs> Some of you are like, V-E-T. Vet. <laughs> We're, we're really good. So, here, so here's what I found interesting. We're, whenever it's our dog that needs medicine, we'll go spend however much money we need to spend. We'll follow the directions. We're like, whew, we're putting it in the food, you know, because they don't want to take it. We're going to all these extreme lengths to make sure that our dog is taken care of, to make sure that our cat is taken care of. And some of y'all be crazy, and you got crazy pets in your house. you got snakes in there and different things like that, and I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. But we'll go, we'll go to extreme lengths for our animals to make sure that, whoo, they're taken care of. And, oh, we need this medicine. I know it's $175 every month, but we got to get this medicine. we got to do it right. we got to take care of this or whatever. <laughs> so we'll take better care of our pets than we'll take of ourselves. So it's more important to us to make sure that our pets are taken care of than it is to make sure that after we have some operation or we need this, that we actually do it properly and get it filled and, and take care of ourselves. We're really good at doing things that aren't good. We're really good at doing things that are not good. And so, why are we beginning this series focusing on the way that we think? Why is part one of this series focused on your mind and your thoughts? And it's because in Proverbs 23, 7, at the beginning of that verse, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, as you think in your heart, so are you. You are what you think. That's what this proverb is saying. You are what you think. And hopefully you're going to understand that better as we go through the message today. But you are what you think. Now this doesn't mean that every problem in your life can be solved by mind over matter. But it does mean that, that everything that you think about really does matter. So it's not a fix-all that says, you know, if I just get my thinking right, then it's going to fix every single problem in my life. That's not what I'm telling you today. But what I'm telling you is that what you think about really does matter. A lot of times we disregard our thoughts and what we think about, and, well, it's not that big of a deal. And, you know, no, what you think about really does matter. It really does matter. And so I want to give you four truths today regarding the way that you think. And we're going to talk about these, and hopefully uh, it'll help you and be beneficial to you today. I know it is for me. So four truths. Here's number one. You can write this down. You can change the way you feel by changing the way you think. You can change the way you feel. Some of you are like, well, I just don't feel it. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Here, here it is right here. Solution all you know, in one bottle. You can change the way you feel if you'll change the way you think. How many of us have made decisions based on how we felt? <laughs> we make decisions based on how we feel. And we're led by our emotions. We're led by our feelings. How many of you have regretted decisions that you've made based on how you felt? <laughs> we don't make really good decisions based on how we feel because our feelings are up one day and down the next, right? Well, I feel like I love you today, but I don't feel it today. Yesterday I felt it. Today I don't feel it. Well, I don't feel like we even do this with church. I'm going to get all up in your business for a minute. We do this with church. Well, do, you, do we feel like going to church today? So we're going to be led by the way that we feel, 
and it's going to cause us to make decisions that we really didn't want to make. Well, do, do I feel like going to church today? Well, do I feel like going to work today? Why don't you try that for two weeks and see if you still have a job? <laughs> do I feel like going to work today? You know, I don't know really how I'm feeling. You know, I just kind of go with my feelings, you know, and, and things like that. And a lot of times we're led by our feelings, but what we need to learn to do is lead our feelings. Because you can change the way you feel if you'll change the way you think. It will happen. Too many times we're led to do things and make decisions based on our feelings when instead we need to learn to change the way we feel by changing the way we think. So you can change the way you feel by changing the way you think. Here's number two. Negative thoughts can't lead to a positive life. Negative thoughts cannot lead to a positive life. So many of us are praying for God to do things. We're praying to get out of the situation. We're praying this. And my question would be, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? When you wake up in the morning, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking negative thoughts? Because your negative thoughts will never lead to a positive life. And many of us, we wake up in the morning, and, and by the end of the day, because of what we thought about first thing in the morning, by the end of the day, we get home from work, and we're like, man, I'm just ready for this day to be over. I'm just ready for this day to be over. It's been a rough day. It's been a, it's, it's, this day's been terrible. My question would be, what were your thought patterns when you started the day? Because negative thoughts will never lead to a positive life. So if you want positive things in your life, you cannot think negative thoughts. Have you ever you ever been put, changing the batteries in a flashlight and, and you put the batteries in and the orientation was wrong and you put them in and you're like, why is this thing, what, what happens? You're not going to get any light. Even if one battery is backward, it won't work. The orientation of your thinking and your thought patterns, if one thing is off, it won't work. It won't work. Negative thoughts will never lead to a positive life. So if you want a positive life, you've got to change the way you think. In Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. Where? Above. Everybody say above. For that is where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your what? Thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. we got to begin to think higher. We're t- we, we have a tendency to think what's right here and think about you know, our problems and think about all this. And, and Paul's saying, listen, if you'll, learn, if you'll learn to think about higher things, there's even a scripture in Isaiah where God says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts, my ways are not like your ways. My ways and my thoughts are higher. You need to come to another level of thinking you got to stop thinking down here and start thinking up here. Another one that we read even last week is Romans 12 too, but I love this different translation of it. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Some of us need a total reformation of how we think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes if you want to live right you have to think right if you want to live right you have to think right it all starts with how you think if you want to live right you have to think right 
And then there's another scripture I want to read before we go on to the next point, and it's uh, somebody came to Jesus, and they were asking, well, Jesus is a pretty good person to ask this question, and they said, hey, what is the most important thing for us to do, right? They come to Jesus, what it, like, sum it all up, there's all this stuff, you know, what is the most important thing that I can do? What is the most important thing I can do? And then this is what Jesus says in Matthew twenty two thirty seven. He says, Jesus answered him, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with what? With every thought that is within you. So what is the most important thing that we can do? Love the Lord your God with every passion in your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that's within you. We've got to learn to love God with our thoughts. We've got to learn to think differently. We've got to learn to honor God with our thinking patterns. We have to use the right kind of thinking. See, I don't think anybody wakes up. I know you didn't wake up this morning, and you won't wake up tomorrow morning, and when your feet hit the ground, you know, you just say, whew, going to spend some time with you. I just hope that today is the worst day ever. I just really hope today is awful. I hope, I, hope, I hope when I go outside, I have a flat tire. I hope when I get to work, they fire me. It would just be awesome. I just cannot wait. You know, what are you doing? I'm just spending time. You know, I'm just reading, just reading through my Bible, you know, and reading the promises of God. And, yeah, I don't really want that one. You know, I don't really want God to be with me and help me today. I don't, I don't, I don't really want that. Right? Nobody wakes up and says, I hope today is the worst day ever. But our thought patterns lead us to places that cause us to think that it's the worst day ever. We don't wake up and say out loud, I just hope today sucks. I just hope that, I hope that today's awful. I hope that everything goes wrong. I hope my marriage gets worse today. I just really do. We don't do that. But our thinking patterns, our negative thinking, leads us to have the type of day that we don't want to have. The way that we think leads us to have the type of day that we don't even want. We would never say out loud that we want that, but it's our thinking patterns that got us there. It's the way that we think that got us there. And we can't have a positive life with negative thoughts. And here's number three. What you look for, you will find. What you look for, you will find. This is true because of the way our minds work. Whatever you're searching for, you'll see more of. We know this to be true. You've been searching for something, and you start seeing it everywhere when you start searching for it. What you search for, what you look for, you will find. Now, maybe you didn't know, but I want to let you know today that there is a difference between thinking and thinking about. There's a difference between thinking and thinking about. You can't control every thought that comes into your head, but you can control what you think about. And I think this is what Paul was talking about when he said, I take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. He's saying, I can't control every thought that comes into my mind. The enemy might place thoughts in my mind. There might be a thought that just pops into my mind, but I can control what I do with the thought. I can control whether or not I think about it. There's the difference between thinking and thinking about. Thinking and thinking about. Um, we could say it this way. You don't have to think about everything you feel, but you will feel everything you choose to think about. You don't have to. See, this is the, the trap that most of us are in. You don't have to think about every thought that comes into your head. When worry, a, a, a worryful thought comes into your mind, you don't have to think about that. 
But on the flip side of that, you will feel everything you choose to think about. And you know this to be true. Everything that you choose to spend time thinking about and, and processing it in your mind and going through it, and what if this happens and what if that happens, you will feel everything that you choose to think about. But you don't have to think about everything you feel. You don't have to be led by your feelings. You don't have to be led by your emotions. We've got to change the way that we think. Arnold Zwicky, he said this about what he called the frequency illusion. The frequency illusion. And he said, once you've noticed a phenomenon, you think it happens a whole lot, even all the time. Once you notice something... Now you have a tendency to think that this happens a lot or this happens all the time. I know last week my wife even mentioned it briefly about when we were looking for a minivan. And how many of you know that there were not more minivans in Paris, Texas on that day than there was the day before? But because we were being intentional to look for the type and the, the model and the color and all this that we wanted in a minivan, we started noticing minivans everywhere. They were all over the place. They were, they were on every lot. They were at every stoplight. They were like, you know, down the street from where we live. It's like minivans everywhere. Because what we were looking for, we found. You'll find what you're looking for. So what are you looking for? I mean, as soon as you start being intentional to look for things, you'll find it everywhere. Everywhere. And it doesn't mean that there was more minivans on that day than there was the day before. No, we just noticed them all. Because we were looking for one. You will find what you look for. Here's how this looks for most of us in our day-to-day lives. It, it, it kind of goes something like this, and maybe you can relate, that we wake up and we're, we're getting ready and we're going to go to work, and we start playing you know, things out in our mind. This movie starts playing in our head, and, and we start thinking to ourselves, well, that person was mean to me yesterday, so they're probably going to be mean to me today. And so we're already devising, we're already devising a rebuttal and we're already thinking about how we can have quick comebacks to what they might say to us today. And so, well, because they were mean to me yesterday, they're probably going to be mean to me today. And then when I get to work, I'm walking around and, I, and, and then everything that they laugh at, everything that they don't laugh at, everything that they say, everything that they don't say, everything that they invite me to or that they invite so-and-so to or that they don't invite me to, it all comes back to the fact that they're mean. So because I made the decision in my mind, my thought patterns that morning where, well, they were mean to me yesterday. They're probably going to be mean to me today. Well, every time they laugh at something, well, they're laughing at me. Well, they're over there talking to those two. I know they're talking about me because they're just mean. Well, they didn't invite me, but they invited this person to the part. Well, it's because they're mean. They don't like me because they're mean. Well, they're la- you know, they're laughing. They're laughing about that. <laughs> Maybe somebody just told a funny joke. I don't, I don't know. But we start processing everything through the filter of, well, they were mean yesterday, and so they're probably going to be mean today. And now everything that they do, and you've done that, you know you've done this. Everything that they do now is all about that one thing. Because that was my thought pattern. <laughs> and this is what it looks like that we will, we will find what we're looking for. And what are we doing? We are waiting to be offended. We are anticipating, and we are waiting for something for them to hurt us. We are waiting to be hurt. I'm waiting to be wounded. Because I've already decided, well, they were mean to me yesterday, so they're mean they're gonna be mean for me today. And so I'm looking for, I'm looking for them to be mean. Oh, they're laughing. <sighs> hurt. Oh, they didn't invite me. Wound. <laughs> oh, they're talking to those people over there. Ugh. Just because they're mean. Because they're mean. This is what it looks like in our lives, practically, for some of us, every single day. 
we go through life living this way, we will find what we're looking for. The reward for negativity is more negativity. The reward for being negative is more negativity. Every single time. The reality is that there isn't more negativity today than there was yesterday, but now you're focused on it and you're looking for it. And so you see it and you'll find it because you're focused and you're looking for the negative things in your life. And then when you find it, when you find the negative things, you'll say things like this. Well, I told you it would happen. You'll say, you'll say something like, well, I knew they were like that. Well, that's what I expected. And then we'll say things like this. Well, that's the story of my life. Can I tell you something? It's not the story of your life, but it's the story that you're writing. It's not the story of your life, but it's the story that you're writing. Because if you're thinking patterns, you're writing that story. And so whenever you stop at the end of the day and you're like, well, story of my life, you know, today was another bad day, it's because of your thinking. And you're writing the story. God did not set you up for that to be the story of your life, that you just notice all the negative all the time, and everybody's against you, and everybody's mean, and because they were mean yesterday, they're going to be mean today, and well, I don't really want to go to work, and... It's not the story of your life. It's the story that you're writing. If you want a different story, then change what you're writing. Change the way you're thinking. If you change your thinking, you can change the way you feel. But here's the, the good news today. If this can all be used for evil, it can also be used for good. So what if you taught your mind to look for something different by staring at something different? What if you made the decision that I'm going to stare at something different so that I can train my mind to see and find something different? What if you looked for anything good? What if you woke up tomorrow and you said, I'm going to look for anything praiseworthy. I'm going to look for anything positive. I'm going to look for anything that's good, and that's what I want to notice. That's what I want to find. And when I get up, I'm going to think that. I'm going to think. I'm going to find everything positive, everything that's good. What will happen? What you look for you'll find. And so you'll begin to see the good, and you'll begin to see the positive, and your mind will begin to think, hey, I found what I'm looking for. I want more of that. That's why some of us are in this negative cycle over and over and over again. It's because your mind has been programmed to think, hey, I found what I'm looking for, and it's negative, so I want to find more of that. If you will start thinking positive things, start being intentional to find the positive, then your mind will start rewarding itself positive rewards by positive. So when I see something positive, then my mind thinks, I found what I'm looking for. I want to find more of that, and then I'll notice something else that's positive, and I'll notice something else that's positive. And you can begin to change the way you think. You can begin to change the way you think. Your mind will begin to look for more of it because that's what you're giving your attention to. And this isn't positive thinking in place of God. It's positive thinking in response to God and what God has done for you and what God is in your life that you can only respond by thinking positively, by looking for the good, by saying, you know what, I am going to praise. I am going to be grateful. I am going to do all of these things. And then here's number four, the fourth truth about the way you think. It's impossible to worship and worry at the same time. It is impossible to worship and worry at the same time. We can say it this way. You can't be accidentally negative while you're being intentionally positive. You cannot be accidentally, I cannot be being intentional to be positive and then ac- I just accidentally became negative. That It doesn't work. You can't be accidentally negative while you're being intentionally positive. You can't worship and worry at the same time. 
I love what Philippians 4.8 says in this translation. Paul says, so keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Let me ask you a question. Would you even recognize yourself if you did this for 15 minutes? If you were intentional to take this advice and change your thinking and think about the positive and think about the good, would you even recognize who you are? There's, there's power in what you think about. There is power in what you think about. So the answer isn't to try really, really hard to stop thinking negative. So some of you in the room, you're like, whew, all right, whew, good message. Got to stop thinking negative. Got to stop thinking negative. Got to just, gotta, mm, just stop it, you know. Negative thought. Stop it. Stop it. In Jesus' name, stop it. <laughs> the answer is not to, to try really, really hard to stop thinking negatively. Because if I tell you to stop thinking about pink elephants, what are you going to think about? Pink elephants. But don't think about pink. Stop thinking about pink elephants right now. Stop thinking about it. <laughs> don't think about a pink elephant. You can't try harder to stop thinking negatively, you have to replace it. You've got to make the decision, I'm going to replace the negative thoughts with positive thoughts. Not try hard to not think negatively. Because what you try hard not to think about, you'll inevitably end up thinking about. The answer is to replace the negative thinking with positive thinking. Instead of pouting, I'm praising. Instead of grumbling, I'm grateful. Instead of criticizing, I'm encouraging. Some of us just need to start with those three things right there. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to replace pouting whew, with praising. I'm going to replace, replace my grumbling with being grateful. I'm going to stop criticizing, and I'm going to replace it with being encouraging to people. It's replacing it that is the key. And I won't be able to do the thing that I don't want to do while I'm busy doing the thing that God has called me to do. You can't do the thing over here that you don't want to do if you're so focused on doing the thing that God called you to do. If you're focused on the things that God has called you to think about, you can't even think about those things because you're thinking about this. You can't worship and worry at the same time. I cannot be praising God and pouting at the same time. I cannot be grateful... For what I have and grumble at the same time. I cannot be worried about what's going to happen and worship at the same time. I cannot criticize and be encouraging at the same time. And the key is if I don't want to do this, I can't do that if I'm so focused on this. If I'm doing what God has called me to do, I can't do what's over here. Are you with me? If I'm, if I'm focused on God's purpose, then I can't do that. If I'm thinking about things that are good, I can't think about that. It's not possible. You can't, it's impossible to worship and worry at the same time. I want to bring the worship team back up. Will you stand to your feet all over this room today? It's impossible to worship and worry at the same time. You can change the way you feel if you change the way you think. If you want to feel different, 
think different. Change your thinking, change your life. Change your thinking and change your life. You want something different? Think differently. Change your thought patterns. Think differently. Maybe you're, you're here and you feel like, well, I've already been in this negative cycle for so long that it's almost ingrained in me. And I think there are some of us that are in the room today that we don't even have to think about thinking negatively. It just happens. We just wake up and, well, today's probably not going to be a good day. Worried about that thing that's coming up at 3 o'clock. And we immediately, we don't even have to think about thinking negatively. It just finds us. What you are going to have to do is be intentional to find the good. That every morning when I wake up, the first thing that I'm going to do is spend time with Jesus and I'm going to find the good. I'm going to think about the good. I'm going to think about the positive. I'm going to think about what God has given me. I'm going to think about being grateful. I'm going to think about praising. I'm going to think about worshiping. I'm going to think about being encouraging. You've got to begin to be intentional to think about those things so that you can replace the negative thoughts. And when you begin to be intentional about this, you can't do that at the same time. You can't be positive and negative at the same time. It's not going to happen. And here's the greatest news of all for those of us in the room that feel like we're in this negative cycle and it's just so ingrained in our brains that we just don't even have to think about being negative. It just happens. Here's the great news. There's a, there's a scripture in the Bible that I love and it's one of my favorite scriptures and it says something like this. It says, but with God... All things are possible. <laughs> That's encouraging for somebody today because you feel like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I'm just always seeing the negative and I'm always down. And, and I have been saying a lot of those things that you were talking about in this message today. And I don't know how to get out of that situation. And I'm trapped in this version of myself that I don't want to be. Here's the good news for you today. With God, all things are possible. You're not too far gone. God can change your thinking patterns. Whenever you give your mind over to him and say, you know what, every morning when I wake up and throughout the day, I'm going to be intentional to find the good. I'm going to think about the positive. I'm going to think about worship. I'm going to think about praising him. I'm going to think about what I'm grateful for. I'm going to begin to think about these. And it's going to be a process over time that you will retrain your mind. And now you won't be in this cycle of always seeing the negative. You'll be in the cycle of always seeing the positive. And if you change the way you think, it'll change your life change how you feel. It'll change your relationships. It'll change what you do in life. It'll change your purpose. I mean, it'll, it'll change everything for you when we change the way we think. God, we thank you today for your word and thank you for what you're speaking to our, our church and what you're speaking to these people and speaking to me. God, we believe that it's time to declare war on our negative thought patterns. It's time to declare war on the things that are holding us back our negative thinking that is holding us back from having the life that you intended for us to live from the day that we were born but our negative thinking is causing us to go to places and do things and be in situations that we don't even want to be in and we're not happy with the version of ourselves that we have created but God with you all things are possible and that can change starting today and so today I pray that you would give us strength and you would give us courage and you would give us wisdom to begin to wake up in the morning and intentionally think about the positive Intentionally think about the good. Intentionally think about being grateful. Intentionally think about being encouraging. That we would not go back to the negative thought patterns, but that we would change our thinking so that we can change how we feel and we can change our lives in Jesus' name. I want to do this as our prayer team comes down. If you're here today and you say, that's me, I want to change the way that I think. We just put your hand up? I want to pray for you. 
I want to change the way that I think. I'm going to be intentional. This is for me. God, you see every hand right now that's going up, Lord. God, I pray that, that you would do what only you can do. That it's not about trying harder to not think negatively. It's about replacing it with the positive. It's about replacing it with your thoughts. It's about replacing it with, with positive and good things. And so, God, I pray that you would show us how to do that. That you would show us how to walk that out every single day. And, Lord, I pray right now as we sing this one final song, if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life, God, that pride would not hold them at their seat. That worry would not hold them at their seat. That fear would not hold them at their seat. But God, if there's anybody here who needs prayer today, that you would draw them for prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. 